Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. And this week, I'm joined with Bai Gan, the Chief Product Officer at Zenny Optical. And I'm really excited to go into the, the world of glasses and uh, eyewear, which is a, a fascinating um, area for me because I've worn glasses for much of my life. But hi, Bai. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice meeting you, Kale. Nice meeting you too. So first, uh, just for anyone who doesn't know, why, why don't you just give a brief overview of what Zenny is? I've actually known you guys and been aware for, for many years now, but in case one of our listeners doesn't, what, how did it all start? Sure. So we serve people like you, right? Um, I can actually <laughs> vaguely tell you have a very minor prescription just by looking at your glasses. Uh, it's actually just probably minus one or even less, right? Uh, you are completely correct. I actually have a, it's a. I wanted glasses when I was in middle school, and so um, I like got glasses even though I never really needed them, or they weren't. I didn't need them every day, or like I only need them for certain specific situations. But I've worn them every day ever since, and so now my eyes are so used to it that I need glasses even though my prescription is so slight. It's the dumbest thing I ever did as a young kid. I'm in the same camp. So your right eye is slightly stronger than your left eye. Yes. Okay. So it's just a little trick I do, you know, um, just do a icebreaker. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can sort of vaguely judge by the amount of distortion behind the glasses when you're turning your head. Um, so anyway, we, we mm. sell prescription glasses and then just as an introduction. Right? So that's what we do. Uh, the company actually started in a garage. We're based in Marin County, just across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. Uh, the, we started in the garage behind the Civic Center, uh, you know, the building that was designed by uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, it was in a very, very large garage that we, was used for many years as a shipping operation where, um, you know, the first version of the website was coded. Uh, we are no longer in that garage, obviously. Uh, we actually employ 1,100 people globally, and we have a manufacturing facility that we own uh, based outside of Shanghai. And then we sell directly online. And currently, we are the largest online prescription eyewear seller in the U.S. We're selling you know, 25,000 to 30,000 pairs of glasses a day. Uh, that's 7 million pairs of glasses a year last year. Um, and then we have so a total of 35 million pairs of glasses. That's probably on par with some of the largest chain stores in the country. Wow. So I feel like how I got to know Zenny was, I want to say I was in college, though. Maybe maybe it was a little bit after. Um, a friend of mine was like, there's this place online that the frames are much cheaper than if you went to an optician. And so is the reason, like, first, what is your average price point? And second, is the reason why they have been lower than others is because you own your own facility? Have you Has that always been part of the plan? That's exactly right. Our average uh, price per pair of glasses, obviously, as any, you can customize any way you want. Uh, you know, we go as low as six ninety five per pair of glasses. Uh, that is, that is actually a finished pair of glasses, not just a frame. It's actually with prescription lenses. On average, I would say single vision glasses goes about thirty five dollars. Uh, but then, if you need pro- progressive glasses, bifocal, you know, the kind that requires a lot of processing, and usually goes five to six hundred dollars in a brick and mortar store, costs about eighty to a hundred dollars. 
But on average, is less than fifty dollars. You can have prescription sunglasses, mirror tints, polarized,、uh, you name it. And also, blue blocker were probably known for for recent year being the largest blue blocker sellers in the world. And so, can you talk a little about how sort of your product strategy has changed over the years? I feel like in the early days, it was probably a tougher sell to to for, to do glasses completely online. I think it's definitely changed now with you and and other places like Warby Parker. So, how have you sort of as as the product leader been been going about that? Sure, I think is as a progression to your from your previous question. I think it is really important to kind of、uh, spend a a minute to explain the vertically integrated business model. I, actually, you already pointed out that we own our manufacturing. We are deeply embedded in the supply chain. You know, we work with some of the largest ODM and OEM frame designers and manufacturers, and we have direct access to some of the lens blanks. So basically, this is. Uh, what brick and mortar do, but then with a lot of middlemen that we have cut off, right?、Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest piece.、Uh, and then,、uh, I mean, you were implying that six ninety five strategy, sort of our low price strategy,、uh, was indeed a double edged sword. You know, <laughs>、uh, actually,、uh, the our even our cheapest glasses are actually of very high quality. They're custom made, FDA regulated medical device. Uh, every pair was actually made with the patient's prescription, the choice of lenses and coating, you name it, and you can even engrave your names on the side of the temple and everything.、Uh, but then, in terms of communication point of view, it was a little bit harder to really communicate quality, you know, to customers when the price was so exceptionally low. Actually, indeed, all our product is about one tenth the brick and mortar strategy. So、uh, that really takes many years in the making, but then originally we really just focused on building that core competency, the backend.、Uh, the founders were all scientists by training, biologists and physicists, mathematicians. So I'm a physicist by training as well.、Mm-hmm. So a bunch of nerds.、Uh, <laughs> then we really focused and then spent the first ten years in perfecting that manufacturing facility, that vertically integrated business model. That now seems to giving us a lot of edges over the competitors. Now we are catching up on PR. You know, we have been a、um, the jersey sponsor of the Chicago Bulls. We also sponsor the Forty Niners. We work with the influencers.、Uh, we work with very talented designers across the board. Since Rowley in fashion, you know,、uh, Coco and Breezy. Most recently,、uh, we did a kids collection、uh, with their anti-bully messages. So now it is our friend and marketing UXUI、uh, social, so to speak,、uh, is now matching up to the sophistication of our backend. So we have a very, very long value chain right now. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. So pretty much, you're saying the first ten years was just getting that backend in place, getting it vertically integrated, and now it's much more of a sort of PR marketing blitz, sort of trying to tell the story. Is is that correct? That's right. I think that was a conscious choice, and then just to kind of、uh, paint the picture a little bit more, we own one million square feet of manufacturing facility. Um, outside of Shanghai, that three buildings. The third one we just constructed. Is five hundred thousand square feet in size. It's like six soccer fields stacked. That's some, that is something you just cannot see from the website. As、mm-hmm. our competitors all have beautiful website, 
But then if you open up the hood, there is really no comparison. We have one of the largest optical labs. That's what they call optical manufacturing labs in the world on par with what Costco VSP has. Interesting. And so can you talk to me just from your general perspective as, you know, the chief product officer, telegraphing sort of that you are a quality product when you do have a cheaper price point? Is that all on the marketing side, which I know is a little bit out of your realm? Or how do you do that from your perspective? Is that, you know, UX? How do you sort of go about that 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 part of it? Because that, that I imagine is the big hurdle for many people. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the answer is uh, all of the above. Um, I think, you know, it is, communication is really an art, right? It, it is persuasion is not about giving people all the facts, right? So it's about how you can distill the essence and then just encapsulate in a easy to communicate. So I could give you a few examples. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, one of our biggest successes uh, in recent years is this um, specialty lens, a specialty lens called the blue blocker. We call it blocks, B-R-O-K-Z. Uh, so that is really a uh, just one of the biggest successes we have. We actually work with the Mitsui Chemicals in Japan to design the lens, which is not a coating-based, but a monomer-based in-mass production. So it, it actually cuts up all the high-energy blue lights. Um, so through the variety of activities and working with the bulls, actually, we have some very interesting ideas. You know, whenever somebody does a, what do you call that in basketball when you have a a block? So we, we, we have a blocks moment. Um, uh, actually, so, um, yeah, I forgot that term, but, but basically, uh, Promoting lenses has become a very effective way of communicating quality, right? Okay. So when, and also the beautiful images and working with the influencers. So basically you also need to kind of show glasses on the faces. I think it's all about putting product in the context that is communicating quality visually, verbally, you name it. So uh, the answer really is all of the above. There's really sh no shortcut in doing that. Got it. Can you talk a little about, you mentioned that, you know, you've worked with influencers and you've also worked with designers. How has the evolution of you working with designers gone? Was that maybe a, a tougher sell at the beginning? You know, how do you, how do you sort of work, do, do all of that with more high profile people? Right. Um, I think um, our, our need as someone who provides a very high quality, you know, value added product, it's really through working with designers and these influencers that we can reach different kind of audiences, right? So that, that had been the challenges, um, we face. Uh, I think e-commerce prescription glasses sale has stagnated around 10% for many, many years. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, you have that experience firsthand, right? So purchasing glasses, uh, the assumption probably is that you need to try them on, you know, uh, the prescription is really hard to deal with, right? And also the coating, what, what is AR coating? What is hydrophobic? You know, all of that. I think there's a huge uh, a switching cost. So um, I think to persuade people to go online, we have to go sector by sector. So that's how we have picked our influencers uh, and designers. 
Uh, so, for example, e-gaming uh, is mm. one of our focuses. Uh, that is really uh, about riding the wave of this enthusiasm over blue light filtering glasses. And then they are sort of, they all have this massive following. My daughter actually follows influencer as an 11 year old. So <laughs> I think with COVID, uh, uh, um, you know, the realm of influence has really changed. The way you communicate, the way you reach audience, you know, a Reddit post can really mobilize a huge amount of enthusiasm. Uh, but then just just like Kokum Breezy, uh, you know, that the designers we work with on kids' glasses have that sway over younger generations. Uh, so I guess it is really about carefully devising how our product fit are echoing with the audience base and who can reach them to amplify our voices is how we we choose those partners and collaborators. Ah, so interesting. So the, the e-gaming, I'm fascinated with that. And that makes a lot of sense. So are you seeing, is that like one of your biggest areas of growth in terms of who's buying your glasses, especially with your like blocks uh, product? Is it, or is that, you know, accelerating than b- more than before because e-gaming is so popular? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, during 2020, we actually experienced the, the largest growth um, ever in recent years. Um, except for the very early stages where, you know, growth mm-hmm. was going like 200%, but then that's with a very small base. And then within that growth, uh, the, the biggest growth is, is blue blocker. Our blue blocker sales has increased by 60, 70, almost 70%, actually 68%. Wow. Um, I think it's a, is a multitude of factors that's contributing to that. But then we are selling a blue, a pair of blue blockers every 15 seconds. If you spread it out to 365 uh, days a year, I think the e-gaming people uh, is a really huge contributor, but also this work from home. Um, so we, we are really trying to serve the customer uh, you know, their current needs. That, that's also kind of reflected in uh, launching anti-fog coding that is extremely current. So our marketing strategy and all of these influencer strategy is just extremely dynamic. So specifically with the demand for, for blue light blocker, did you do sort of a blitz in explanation of why that's important for so many people working at home? Or was it more organic where people are like, I'm stuck at my home. I'm on my computer all the time. I need these. How, how did you sort or did you try to sort of preempt that by explaining why this would be important? Sure. Um, a blue blocker is a really interesting. I was actually just talking to my uh, product manager who is an opt- optometrist um, about the evolution of our blue blocker success. We launched about five years ago. Uh, I think it was, you know, just like many business school cases would sort of trying to illustrate there's a market fit, there's a technolo- technological front. So we had an edge because I, as I explained earlier, that our product was superior, was not a coating based, that wasn't uh, very yellow, so it was aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it also cuts a lot of the high energy blue light, actually everything below 420 nanometer. But then there was that burgeoning needs from four or five years ago. So. Uh, I remember on the day we launched, we were already selling probably three, four percent of the site. Now it's forty percent of our total portfolio. 
So um, I think there is that sort of interaction between mar market acceptance and our 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 you know our effort in explaining the science and also with the uh, work from home and the e gaming people sort of um, I think this is just where that amplification effect is just. Uh, becoming more and more apparent, but then it is really a combination of a lot of the factors. You mentioned that you saw insane growth in 2020. That uh, makes sense because I imagine just e well, I know e-commerce as a whole has exploded. But can you just sort of go into the nuts and bolts of exactly you know what you saw, sort of, and how you how you responded to that? Oh, sure. You mean 2020? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like with coronavirus hit, did that sort of lead to huge sales growth? It sounds like it did, but just exactly what did you see? Were oh, there any absolutely. supply chain? Happy to Were there talk any about it. Yeah, you know, keep going. Sorry. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, COVID was just like one of those forest fires, right? It was like a hundred year storm. And mm -hmm. obviously we actually, uh, because of manufacturing of our um, backhand is based, you know, um, outside of Shanghai, where COVID first hit, so we actually had a, a experienced a initial stoppage. So we had to scramble to deal with it in February. Uh, so we had to deal with logistics. We actually had to turn down and dial down marketing. That was actually very frantic. But then by April, we saw the you know we came back very strong, and then that trend almost just lasted the entire year. And then in uh, uh, within the year, we were also, you know, just on a side note, we were, we were very, very, you know, touched by this fight against COVID. So we actually dedicated a lot of resources, uh, not that it's related directly to business, to donation of PPEs. Um, so that is actually what we did. Uh, you know, uh, we ended up donating 3 million, more than 3 million uh, masks and PPEs to more than 35,000 institutions, hospitals, and doctors, and nurses, and first responders. And then we continue to do that. Um, you know, we just donated 5,000 pairs of anti-fog coating glasses uh, to, you know, frontline workers as well. So I think COVID was like this roller coaster. So we... Uh, we survived, we thrived, uh, but then at the same time, we were very touched and we were dragged into this fight against this pandemic as well as a local company. Um, if that answers your question. No, absolutely. But can you talk to, you mentioned that you had to shut down or at least pause your manufacturing. Did you sort of feel the hurt with the supply chain, I guess, bottlenecks that that were happening for throughout the year, or just once you were able to reopen up, it went back to smooth sailing? Right. It pretty much went back to smooth sailing later on uh, because COVID basically moved across the globe. Uh, actually, because of our global supply chain, it was not only what we saw in China and later on in the U.S., but also our partners across the world, for example, uh, we have a very important machinery menu, uh, partner in, based in Bergamo in Italy, just, uh, you know, uh, northeast of Milano. Um, and then that's where the, uh, it was basically the ground zero of COVID, if you remember uh, news from March. So we ended up helping them getting their PPEs. So we saw this cascades of impacts of COVID moving across our manufacturing, our supply chain, and also our market. 
Uh, but then eventually we were able to solve the problem and the demand came in really, really strong later during the year and lasted throughout the year as a lot of the other e-commerce operation experienced. And then seems to be morphing our, re- you know, the, the reality of retail forever beyond COVID. So, uh, luckily, yeah, luckily we were able to address all the stoppage and interruption and we actually thrived and then really succeeded in 2020. So how has that impacted, uh, product development or, you know, what you're getting from, from your, your, uh, warehouses, your manufacturing facilities? Cause I, you said it's now for the blue, blue light blockers are now 40% of what you're selling. So I imagine that changed the complete product mix of what you're manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. So there are so many aspects of just trying to unpack your question, <laughs> right? So, uh, I mean, everything became a little bit more difficult, right? Um, obviously, our uh, infrastructure was very sound in terms of our supply because Blue Blocker, as I uh, shared, uh, was a product developed by Mitsui Chemicals based on their technology. We have very, very strong casters that are supplying us the blank lenses. In terms of product development, development, you were asking that, yes, we used to be traveling the world every year. I used to go to Milan, New York, uh, Paris, Vegas, trade shows, and then meeting with my partner, you know, our suppliers across the globe every year, probably, you know, in excess of 10, 15 trips. We cannot do that anymore. So basically, we're doing exactly what we're doing right now uh, via Zoom. So we set up all these product development uh, uh, sessions with our partners. And then um, so I, I guess we have to look at samples remotely. Uh, you know, because we are churning out probably five, uh, 500 new product, new, new frames, new styles a year, new lens product, everything we had to just manage. Everything is remote. Everything is remote. Did this change given that you're doing everything remote and maybe in the next six months to a year, things might come back to a semblance of normal? Are there any aspects of this new workflow that you're going to keep? Uh, you know, are you are you are you excited to go back on the road and then do all this product development in all these different cities? Oh, I, I definitely cannot wait to go back on the road, <laughs> and I'm I'm actually um, I cannot sit still sit still very long. I'm a big hiker. I hiked two thousand miles last year uh, alone, and uh, but yes, I think just like everyone, we are rethinking what we have just experienced, and we're still experiencing. We're still working from home, and it's actually been working very well. Uh, I think you really instill a, a very strong sense of humanity to 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 the leadership, to how we interact with our, you know, oftentimes you would hear baby crying, right, in the background when you're doing the Zoom meeting. But then generally, I think this challenge has made the team uh, very involved, very engaging. So uh, it's been working very well. Wow. So we've been discussing... Um, what it will look like post COVID. So we, we haven't made that decision, but then I think we would want to accommodate talent. But, you know, thinking about, you know, um, uh, uh, having that confidence in working from home setting allows a company to also potentially consider talents outside of your geographical area. Uh, that actually has a lot of implications. So I really look forward to developing those policies with my uh, leadership group uh, that's to come. 
is most of your team based in California now? Is uh, but you're uh, but you're now considering maybe s- somewhere else people can be in the Midwest, for example. Yeah, exactly. So most of the team is currently based in California. We have a thousand people offshore. We have some other locations. You know, especially IT right development. Um, it's very typical that you have offshore, you have offsite teams, uh, and then during COVID, you know. Uh, the higher the demand for hiring, the demand for 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 talents didn't cease, right? So we continue to hire, and then obviously we have uh, attracted you know t- talents from variety sources. So now more people are um, just based out of state, and then there, there are people who are moving out of state too, right? Because you know people are moving out of San Francisco, uh, you know, uh, typically just just you know because of the they they didn't have to stay in the city paying for that rent. So those are all rea- realities we have to deal with and accommodate. Absolutely. So uh, it seems like, and I've talked with other companies, and like 2020 could best be described as, yeah, you saw insane growth, but a lot of it was reactive in terms of how you were sort of dealing with all the things that were thrown at you. So, and how are you approaching 2021? What is what is sort of your overall plans? Is that sort of getting more into proactive mode? What are the new sort of ways you're approaching new products? Just all of that. Sure. Um, I think 2020, not only we experienced, I think for a lot of our partners in other industry where demand was kind of delayed and caught up, right? So I don't think that's 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 quite how I would characterize what we saw. We actually saw quite a bit of new demand after the initial impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually saw the uh, make of new customers among the total customer went up in percentage. So we are actually de- de- dealing, we have been dealing with a lot of first-time purchasers of online glasses. And then that number is in, is still increasing. And then uh, for us, uh, this is really the beginning of a new era. I think for a lot of our competitors as a sector as a whole, uh, you know, I like to use the, the, the analogy of switching cost, just like we touched on earlier. It was hard to do that first purchase. Uh, to buy your prescription glasses online. And by the way, I'd be very happy to make you some glasses and let you try our checkout process. I'll be happy to send you um, a code or something. So love love your feedback on that as well. Uh, but then w- the reality is we are actually serving more customers and we had to make the checkout a little bit easier. Um, for example, uh, we know what one lens, you know, we offer all the lens indexes, indexes, right? So, you know, there's PC, there's high index, there's whatever, CR39, but, but then, uh, we are trying to make that easier through new checkout processes, which is one of our focuses, right? Mobile app is another, uh, which is really to uh, address the same issue. Uh, that we wanted to make sure, you know, first-time purchasers, people who are may not be that conversant in shopping online or especially shopping a custom-made product online easier. Um, so um, just based on their prescription, based on, you know, uh, big data we have access to, 35 million pairs of glasses we've sold, we actually know based on prescription and needs uh, what lens or combination of lens and coating would meet the need. So we're trying to package it. Uh, that would take a lot of time to develop a more user-friendly app, user-friendly mobile website, uh, and also a, custom, a, a marketing strategy, digital marketing social strategy that is speaking 
to that kind of audience. Uh, and then that's, that will make our 2021 extremely busy. And in addition, we are actually trying to hedge our bet uh, to um, invest in a domestic manufacturing facility, which is huge. That is going wow. to take a lot of effort. Where's that going to be? Um, Ohio. Oh, cool. Um, and so you mentioned earlier that uh, e-com glasses was, has stagnated around 10%. Is that, the, that what you said earlier? Has that... Is that now completely out the window now? It's, it's some greater number? Yeah, that number has always been difficult to accurately estimate because mm -hmm. for many, many years, we did not officially exist <laughs> in the official data, right? The Vision Console data never had a uh, you know, accurate estimate. The, the, the only, many, for many years, honestly, all I knew was their, their estimate of the total number was below our number. So I know <laughs> it's low. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I think um, you definitely see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, new entrants popping up in the field, uh, intensified in investment by competitors and us in the field. So um, uh Two years ago, the official data was um, uh, that 90 million pairs of prescription glasses were sold in the U.S. Uh, and then, um, you know, we were, we sold 7 million pairs of glasses last year. Mm -hmm. So we alone were approaching, um, I mean, brick and mortar grow, grows at about 2%. So 90 mm -hmm. million, two years after compounded. Right. So we are already approaching that eight, nine percent of that number. Uh, but then so uh, I don't know. I don't know. But then <laughs> it's, it's low. I think it's yeah. low. So are you seeing incumbents like the ones who are traditionally brick and mortar now realizing that they have to sort of copy a playbook like yours and be more e-com forward. What are you seeing in terms of that? Because I know there's there are other online-only gl glasses makers, but I imagine this probably put a fire under the asses of a lot of sort of more traditional eyeglass retailers. Absolutely. From, uh, I think, uh, new entrants, um, you know, new entrants from establishment, uh, they're from everywhere, copycats, uh, you know, uh, established competitors um i mean yeah absolutely the establishment they're trying to uh, definitely are considering seriously the sector right but then i think it's going to be a very difficult decision um you know just like when netflix was trying to decide you know are you gonna sell or rent and then just you know, that was, I think, uh, at the time, um, selling DVDs was still 90% of their revenue. And how can you give up 90% of your revenue? You have all these salesmen and all the existing infrastructure and all the, you know, the organizational know-how that is designed to maximize that 10, 15% efficiency in the old business model. Uh, but we are committed. We have from day one. We our brick and mortar. Uh, our offline effort is limited to you know PR. We had like a pop up outside of AT and T Park, and uh, it is all for promotional purposes. So we are committed e commerce. We're digital native. So I think that's one of the biggest advantage we have. We have our own vertically integrated business model. So I guess what I'm trying to say is we will have to focus on our strength 
and then try to be competitive. And currently we are actually, ha we have the largest share in terms of online um, traffic among all competitors. Um, so we'll try to magnify that advantage that we enjoy right now. And then just, um, um, I think the whole sector is going to grow for a little while. Consolidation will probably not happen until a little bit later. Uh, we'll see, you know, uh, <laughs> future is the hardest. It's very hard to forecast. And la last question, but you guys don't have um, a, a permanent retail store. Am I correct in that? Uh, we don't. Will you ever? Uh, it's possible. Uh, I think it's really about to make that number work. I think that the efficiency, I mean, obviously some of our competitors have gone that route um, and they were hit very hard by COVID as well. Um, yeah, I think we're going to focus or there's just tons of things we can do. We're going to also uh, uh, try to offer a fast turnaround. I think that has been probably a higher priority to try to solve, right? So if I can, um, you know, send customer their glasses, you know, um, a week faster, that's huge. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, if you lost your glasses or you crush your, especially kids, I mean, they break their glasses all the time. So we're thinking about how can we do it, you know, 48 hours, turn around and all of that. That's, that's how, that's why also part, part of the reason why we are diversifying in terms of that vertical integrate, uh, you know, that vertical integration manufacturing. Um, yeah, just tons of things we can do. Bye. This has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you, Kale. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. 